Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Ministry President Dr. Kenneth Hill shares a prayer from the Old Testament that will remind us of God's faithfulness. First, let's join our host, Pastor Larry Spargimino, and his guest, author Terry James, to discuss the future events that will rock the world. Our guest for today's program is our dear friend, Terry James. He is an author, a conference speaker, and he has edited several volumes dealing with prophetic issues. Terry James and Pete Garcia have authored a new book titled, The Disappearing, Future Events That Will Rock the World. You know, friends, we're living in some of the most apocalyptic times planet Earth has ever experienced. Where do we stand? How are we faring? What's next? And what about our children? What do we know about children and the rapture? These and many related issues are presented, discussed, and answered in the book, The Disappearing. Terry James is on the line with me. He's one of the authors of Disappearing Future Events That Will Rock the World. Terry, thank you so much for being with us. It's great to be with you again, Larry. It always is. Well, you know, Terry, you're one of my heroes. Perhaps our listeners are not aware of the fact that you are blind, But you've authored several books, have edited several books, and now you're still writing and laboring. You've been trusting the Lord. The Lord has been working in and through you, and there is always great hope in Jesus, isn't there? Absolutely. The things that he's done with my life, you know, and I had that widow-maker heart attack. It was quite a thing with a brief visit to the periphery of heaven. So, yeah, God's been good. Yes. There's a lot of people who are kind of giving up, I think, with the situation in the world. But as we yield to the Lord and trust Him and get in the Word of God and are filled with the Holy Spirit, God can use each and every one of us. And I think that's good news. Absolutely. Well, Terry, what is the genesis of the rapture in Scripture? Well, that begins, I think, when Paul, the apostle, talks to the Thessalonians and to the Corinthians about What's going to happen? They were afraid that this gathering together, as he had been talking about, had already happened, the Thessalonians in particular. He wanted them to know that, no, this has not happened. A bunch of false teachers had come in and told them that this was nonsense, there would be no rescue of that sort, and they were afraid that it had already happened. And so Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that he's going to reveal a mystery. You know, he talked about the mystery of the church earlier and so forth. And Harry's talking about another mystery. Well, the mystery he is revealing is found in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, I believe. Jesus said to his disciples when he tried to explain to them that he would go away, but he'd come again. They didn't understand. They still didn't after he told them. But the mystery that he was putting out there that Paul later revealed was from John 14, verses 1 through 3. It said, Behold, I show you a mystery. You believe in God, believe it also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Behold, I go away, and I come again. If I go away, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. So Jesus told them a mystery there. Paul reveals that later in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as we hear the report. So that's really the beginning of it. Well, that certainly is good news because we know the days are seemingly getting darker and we hear all kinds of strange things, wars and 
rumors of wars. We want to remember John 14, 1, 2, and 3, but you speak about the pragmatic necessity of the rapture. What do you mean by that? That was a concept I think Pete Garcia came up with, but the pragmatic part of the rapture is that it is to take all Christians, all believers in Christ in this church age, this age of grace, keep them out of this time of great tribulation and trouble that's coming. That is the practical part of, I think, God's dealing with Christians. Revelation chapter 3, verse 10 tells us that, you know, he will keep us out of the very hour. It uses the Greek term ek, out of the very hour of temptation. Right, so there has to be a deliverance when there is a pouring out of God's wrath. God doesn't hold us in double jeopardy, so we are rescued from that. And I think as you read through the book of Revelation, after chapter 3, you don't see the church, the body of Christ, as we have it today. And it seems to me to be very plain and very simple and really good news. Right, you don't see the church again until chapter 19, when the church returns with Christ in the second coming. Yeah, and I hear people say that, well, it's rapture escapism. I really don't believe that because so many people even today are being martyred. They're suffering for their faith. So it's not escapism, but we're not going to get the wrath of God. That's the issue. Well, I'll tell you, I like what old Dr. J. Vernon McGee used to say. He said, they accused me of being escapist, wanting to be escapism. He said, but he said, if the house is on fire, I'll go out the window, I'll go out the door, I'll go out the chimney if I have to. <laughs> that sounds like J. Vernon. That's, that's good <laughs> advice. I'll take it any way it comes. Right. Well, what about a children? Are they raptured? And what is the age of accountability? This is one of my pet topics, Larry, as I'm sure you know, and some others. I've got some arguments against it. But I believe that every child below the age of accountability, that is the age when they're able to understand that they need a Savior, they're sinners and they need a Savior. When they reach that point, then I believe they are taken out of the book of life. I really believe that. And they're written back in when they believe. I really believe that. And, of course, until that point, they're covered by the shed blood of Jesus on the cross at Calvary that we celebrated not long ago in the Resurrection Sunday. So... I believe that every child below the age of accountability will go to be with Christ when he calls, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, when he says, come up here, as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians and 1 Thessalonians. When Jesus comes and calls everybody home, I believe that every child below the age of accountability will go to be with him. And I believe that includes also at the very moment of conception, those children conceived at that very moment, because the rapture is a salvation issue. It's being in Christ, in Jesus Christ, and the very character of God would be flawed if it didn't include these innocents who have never had a chance to believe. So I believe that every child will go. That's my very strong belief, and I believe he's going to make a statement at that moment when life begins. Well, I know as a pastor, many times we have families who have lost very small children, and that's their concern. But we never find God pouring out his wrath on a little child who is innocent. Even though we have a sin nature, all of us have a sin nature, and yet it's the actual deed, the rebellion against God. And to speak about little children being guilty in that sense, I don't see that in the Scripture. That's right. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, look what happened. I mean, God said, you know, for example, gave Israel the instruction to kill every man, woman, and child in taking the land. But does that not show that God does not necessarily deal gently with children? We're talking about two different issues there. We're yes. talking about the physical death of a child versus spiritual being apart from God forever. I believe a lot of times God has 
allow these things to happen to young children so that they'll be with him forever because he knows that they will grow to maybe reject him. He allows these physical deaths to take place, but the spiritual life is forever. Right. And I think, as you guys point out, that the early church really had all of this right until about the 4th century. The anti-Nicene church, Father Augustine, developed some, I think, very new and strange ideas that I think has crept into much prophetic teaching today and much thinking about Bible prophecy. But I think Bible prophecy has suffered a lot with the entrance of Augustine. In fact, the whole church has. Yes, I believe that's very true, Larry. And because of this, there's a dearth of understanding. Because of this, I believe even pastors of the Protestant era have just totally turned away from wanting to study Bible prophecy because right. most often I hear it said, well, it's just too hard. It's beyond my comprehension. That's one right. of the excuses I use. Nonsense. <laughs> right. Well, I've recently did some programs on preterism on trial. Of course, there are people who really enjoyed it. They're not preterists, but there were some people who were really offended, and I was amazed Once again, I'm always amazed at things like that, that it seems so clear to me that there is a rapture, there is a future that the Bible addresses, and yet today in the church, I think we've really missed a lot of things. If Bible prophecy is not true, then how is there comfort in anything we see happening? I mean, the world is headed down a one-way street (laughs) to things of the tribulation era. We see some of the developments already beginning to kind of peek their heads out. So, you know, Jesus tells us time after time again, and so does Paul and some others, to be comforted by these words, talking about Bible prophecy. Yeah, and I think it's also a warning that we need to get right with God. In fact, one listener had written to me and said, well, I believe that Jesus is coming back, but not in my lifetime. And I thought to myself, well, you know, Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour, but this guy, if he lives for 50 more years, he claims to know the day and the hour. That is, <laughs> that Jesus can't come back in that period. There's a lot of ideas. And I really appreciate people like you, writers, myself, and others who are pre-mill and pre-trib, that I think we understand prophecy correctly, and it can be a great hope and also a warning. That's right. Jesus said, in an hour you think not. Yep. (laughs) So, (laughs) it's pretty powerful, pretty powerful. Well, Brother Terry, are we witnessing the collapse of Western civilization, and how does this play into the coming New World Order? And I think we're seeing so many things that remind us, yeah, there is a New World Order out there. There definitely is, and I think we saw it in the most previous presidential election. I think we saw the workings of a New World Order. I'm really convinced that... Much of that was in order to uh, get away from nationalism and get into globalism more and more. And we saw that at every level of cultural and societal interaction, and I'm talking about, we saw it in media, both entertainment and news. Not only that, but in religion. We saw it in religious circles, people coming against the nationalist outlook that, you know, to make America great, there's nothing wrong with that. And only God can do that. He did make America great once. Nothing wrong with wanting America to be great in that we have done some great things and putting out the gospel and other things. There's nothing wrong with that. But the globalists have an entirely different viewpoint. The news and entertainment and media and so many other areas have just come against the whole principle of a national sovereignty. So you see in that development. 
Well, I think the war in Ukraine is really underscoring in the minds of some people why we need to have a one-world government, because they're saying, look, you've got one nation like Russia dropping bombs on these innocent people, this tiny country. And I think, you know, the Russians, what they're doing now, they're really doing a great deal of damage to the nation state because people are saying we can't have nation states with nuclear weapons, chemical weapons like they used against the Chechens in their Chechen revival. We've got to stop this. So I think unwittingly, Mr. Putin is really shooting himself in the head. Well, he is in a way, I think. And, but, you know, I think Satan is doing a great thing by putting these various elements against each other, coming from the communist world right. like that, that certainly sets off in the mind of all of us here in the free countries how evil he is. At the same time, we know that the globalists are trying to arrange things so that we will be more compliant. Yeah. So I see three basic elements coming together. First of all, the globalist element, the West which Antichrist will eventually rule, coming together. We see the whole Russian coalition thing with not only Russia, but the nations that join in the coalition, Iran and Turkey, above Israel. They will be the Gog-Magog attack of Ezekiel's prophecy. And then we have China and all those people of the Eastern world. The kings of the kings of the East, I believe, will be China, the king of the kings of the East. And... That's the reason I believe they will eventually attack Taiwan, because if they're going to be the kings of the East over there, they're going to have to bring all of the Far East into their hegemony. So you've got three different elements of Bible prophecy, I think, developing right there. Yeah, I think we're living in the most apocalyptic times we've ever seen. I think we see a lot of things coming together. You know, there's always been wars, there's always been famine, there's always been disease, but now we see, number one, Israel as a nation, 1948, technology, the barcode, and so on and so forth. And all of these things that happened in an isolated way are now coming together all at one time. One day, very close, very soon, maybe even today, we could hear the trumpet sound. I agree with that, Larry. And I think this so-called pandemic over the last two years or so, that has congealed this whole coming together thing, that's the direction Satan wants everybody to go. Right. I think it's setting a preparation for the time when people will be forced to comply in the Revelation 13, verses 16 through 18 matter of the marks and numbers. You speak about people complying and forcing people to comply the Biden vaccine mandate, where even people in the armed services people at a high-tech facility like China Lake, and we need those men and women with all the technology that the Chinese have and so forth. But if they wouldn't take the vaccine, they were being fired. He didn't care. Didn't matter. I mean, it's harmful to America. Some of these globalists, particular, that wants compliance are going to be so happy when the church is gone yeah. because it's a large part of the church is a kickback against the vaccine mandate. Right. I being one of the chief, the restrainer is resident within us. It says in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and he is the one who is restraining this evil. We see a lot of evil developing. Can you imagine what the tribulation is yes. going to be like when the restrainer removes in that office? Wow. Right. Well, Terry, what are the three main antagonists of the tribulation, and what are their roles? Satan tries to counterfeit everything. Everything God does, he counterfeits it, because people are made in the image of God, and there's a God-filled void in the heart. 
So Satan wants to get as close to that as he can, and as he, even to the lost mind and counterfeiting. So I believe that in, in the final analysis here, in the tribulation in particular, that Satan considers himself God. He wants to be God. We'll see that at the midway point of the tribulation. He sets himself in the temple of God, indwelling the Antichrist, I believe, in claiming to be God. So he's always wanted to be God, and that's what the role he wants to play. The Antichrist, the one who he will have prepared for that moment of tribulation era, the Son, just as we have the Trinity, he will have the unholy Trinity. The Son will be the Antichrist, and the false prophet, the third member of Revelation 13, the second beast, will be considered like the Holy Spirit. So you have the unholy Trinity, and I believe that's what Satan is headed toward. Well, dear friends, we've been talking to Kerry James. He is one of the authors of an excellent book, The Disappearing Future Events That Will Rock the World. Brother Terry, thank you so much for being on the program. Well, thank you, Larry, and Southwest Radio Church. God bless you all. Today's program with Terry James on The Disappearing is available on CD. When you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. And make sure you order today's featured resource. It's Terry James's new book, The Disappearing. In The Disappearing, Terry James presents the wind-up of human history. The book chronicles what's set in motion and is driving this heaven-directed end-times drama. It's the conclusion of the greatest story ever told. The Disappearing by Terry James and Pete Garcia. Order copies for you and your family and friends. Call 1-800-652-1144 or order The Disappearing online at swrc.com. Dr. Kenneth Hill comes now and opens the Old Testament to encourage us with the prayer of Hannah. In this devotional, I'd like for us to look in 1 Samuel chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at just a few verses there, beginning at verse 10. And this, I find a prayer for progeny. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, If thou will indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall be no razor come upon his head. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her words were not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. Again, that's in 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning of verse 10. Eli was the high priest. He was the one that people would take their desires to. Eli was the high priest who was supposed to be praying for people such as this lady Hannah who was unable to bear a child but wanted a child so, so badly. 
Here she was in darkness of travail. She had bitterness of soul, the scripture says, and she prayed unto the Lord God Almighty, not unto his priest, but to the Lord God, the one who made heaven and earth. And she prayed to him directly and wept sorely. She was thinking of all the bitterness that was in her heart because she could not have a child. How sad, how difficult, how detrimental, how this prayer must have shown the anguish of her very soul. Hannah was a godly woman. She was not one to be drinking. She was a godly woman. Eli was a godly man. He was a priest. He was the high priest for the nation. And yet he thought that this woman who loved the Lord was caught up in drink. And he, unfortunately, had the wrong idea. And she called out unto God for him to save her, for God Almighty to save her in this time of trouble and to take away the reproach that was hers because she had no child. And God himself promised to do just that very thing. Here she was among the trees of the forest, among the plants of the hills and the valleys. Here she was waiting on an answer from Almighty God. And it was a difficult time. She trusted in the Lord, but it was difficult because she knew that the birth of a child was something special, was something that did not happen on a whim, but it happened by the grace of God. And it was indeed by the grace of God that this child would be born. Now, there was prayer without words. That was the agony of heart. And she portrayed the agony well. Have you had agony of heart, my friend? Have you proceeded to pray to Almighty God, your lips moving but no sound coming out? You in your very heart are disturbed beyond belief. It's a very interesting prayer that we find here in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And it's one that gives us the life of Samuel, because Samuel is that young man who will be born to Hannah and will become Hannah's child. And with Hannah's baby, there came not only responsibility, but there came all sorts of blessing. And the blessing 
came as Samuel was born to the house of Hannah. God is so good to you and to me. We have no complaints. In reality, we only have joy. But the complaint here was real. The complaint was there was no child to be born a Christian. And here, Hannah prayed. And she prayed without words being heard, but with words surely having been uttered in her heart. Isn't that something to remember? Isn't that something to consider? When we see someone in agony praying to Almighty God, the agony might be because there's no child or because there is a child. But whatever the reason, God has the answer. God will take care of you, my friend. God will watch over you and care for you and hear your prayer and answer your prayer according to his good pleasure. And she told the Lord, I will give him unto you. And she did. And this youngster, as soon as he was weaned, was given to the Lord. And he was able to wear special kinds of clothing to show that he was indeed of the house of God. He was a very special child who grew up learning the ways of the Lord, not only from Eli, the high priest, but from the other priests as well. And God blessed Hannah and her husband and their new children, as well as this child who was born into the family first, this one known as Samuel. Hallelujah. What an answer to a prayer of a woman in distress. And God gave her her very request. The Disappearing by Terry James and Pete Garcia. This book chronicles what set in motion and is driving this heaven-directed end times drama. Order copies for you and your family and friends. Call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. Also, be sure and check out all of the resources available on our website, swrc.com. Over 900 books and DVDs from the nation's top teachers. Free shipping is available on all orders of $100 or more. So be sure and visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com.
And please remember, when you purchase a book or DVD, you are supporting Watchmen on the Wall. Thank you. Tomorrow, we celebrate Israel's anniversary, and Dr. Carl Baugh will bring some fascinating insight on God's panorama of creation. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com.